Welcome to the AJP Heart and Circ podcast. I'm Kara Hansel Keehan. Today we'll discuss a new study by K. Meyer et al. titled In Vivo Arterial Stiffness But Not Isolated Artery Endothelial Function Varies with the Mouse Estrus Cycle. This article was published October 14, 2022. Joining us today are Associate Editor Dr. Amanda LeBlanc. First author, Mackenzie Kameyer, and senior author, Dr. Ashley Walker, as well as expert, Dr. Sarah Lindsay. Let's get started. Amanda? In this article by Kameyer et al., entitled In Vivo Arterial Stiffness But Not Isolated Artery Endothelial Function Varies with the Mouse Estrus Cycle, the authors demonstrate that the estrus phase is associated with lower in vivo large artery stiffness in mice, but ex vivo resistance artery endothelial function was not different between estrous cycle phases. Estrogen receptor expression is modulated by the estrous cycle in an artery dependent manner. These results suggest that estrous cycle phase should be considered when measuring in vivo arterial stiffness in young female mice. Ashley, maybe you could briefly walk us through how this study was first conceived and what was the overall goal of the project? Thank you for this opportunity to discuss this article. The idea for this project started because we needed to know how to best design our research studies. My lab is becoming more interested in sex differences with vascular aging and cognitive decline. To do these studies, we needed to consider what confounding variables to account for. And a major confounding variable is the effect of the estrus cycle in young female mice. So we went to the literature to find out how the estrus cycle affects vascular outcomes and what were the recommendations for accounting for these effects. But what we found was very little information on this topic and no previous studies on the effects of the estrus cycle on the vascular outcomes that we perform in our lab. So we decided that we needed to be the ones to do this study. This started as a project for an undergraduate student, Brad Bedell, with the mentorship of McKinsey, and then it just sort of grew in scope from there. So there was discussion during the peer review process regarding the pulse wave velocity measurements and whether the changes were structural or material stiffness driven. Mackenzie, is there evidence to suggest one or the other? Thank you, Amanda. This is a wonderful question. We believe that it is unlikely that structural changes are occurring given to the short duration of the estrus cycle, which is about five days in length. However, we did not perform measures of active and passive stiffness in the aorta ex vivo for this study. Therefore, we cannot definitively comment on the changes of structural or mechanical stiffness for pulse wave velocity. However, we believe it is likely that these differences are due to nitric oxide availability and estrogen receptor expression, and that these differences contribute to the differences we saw in pulse wave velocity throughout the estrus cycle. Um, I believe this is one of the limitations of our study, that we did not measure this active and passive stiffness, and this should be further investigated. This next question is for Sarah. In your opinion, as an expert reviewer, what was the most interesting to you about this study? Yes, this was a very interesting study. So we already know how important estrogen is for female cardiovascular health in general, including arterial stiffness. But these experiments are many times done comparing estrogen intact to overectomized animals. This study was the first to show that the impact of estrogen on vascular stiffness changes with each day of the estrus cycle, so that was both novel and surprising. 
we are learning more and more about factors that affect biology that we might may not have considered in our experiments. So things like circadian rhythm, animal bedding, room temperature, all these things are important to control for. And this article adds to that list that we need so that we can improve rigor and reproducibility between different laboratories. And we know how important that is nowadays. And as we all know, science does not always go as planned. Uh, were there any challenges or hiccups during the project that you can share with us, Mackenzie? Yes. So I would say the biggest challenge we experienced was trying to match and control the estrus cycles. Note to self, you cannot control them. However, we tried our best. And to me, the best you can do is to continuously track the cycles every day during your study. This made planning the study days very difficult. Therefore, when you're doing a study and you need to control for the estrus cycle, we would suggest you use a rather large cohort of mice so you can choose the mouse in the stage that you wish to study. However, towards the end of your study, you have less mice to choose from, so you have to just choose whatever mouse is in the stage they're in. And this might make your sample size a little out of your control. So one of the other discussion points brought up during the re peer review process was determining the accurate staging of the estrus cycle. So Ashley and Mackenzie, you all did a lot of extra work to confirm this following the initial reviewer comments. Can you all take us through this, you know, as, as well as what do you all recommend for other investigators going forward? Yes, another great question. Um, I think in general, many aspects need to be taken into consideration when determining the estrus cycle. For tracking it, we did this through vaginal cytology. We had multiple people review the slides in order to determine the cycle stage. Next, we had variability in the uterus weights due to adipose tissue remaining on the uterus after dissection. So making sure the uterus is adequately cleaned and then taking a wet weight and even a dry weight can help. By taking the uterus weight, this can reflect the stage of the cycle as well. The next point is trying to compare different methods of serum hormones across the literature. There are a lot of inconsistencies in the literature for serum hormone concentrations throughout the estrus cycle stages, and that is due to ELISA's. They're known to overestimate estradiol concentrations due to their lack of specificity. But all in all, for future investigators going forward, I would say to track vaginal cytology prior to their study and have multiple people analyze these slides, as well as take wet and dry weights of the uterus and make sure the uterus is properly cleaned. And then lastly, we would encourage investigators to measure serum steroid hormones with mass spec if possible to ensure more accurate measures of steroid hormones. Tracking the estrus cycle is not the easiest, but we believe it is necessary to help aid in translational aspects of research moving forward. Those are great points, Mackenzie. Uh, Sarah, anything to add here? Yes, I just want to first commend Mackenzie. You could probably already tell from her answer that this was not a small feat. Monitoring estrous cycle in mice um, requires that you perform these vaginal smears for multiple days in a row to make sure you really understand where each mouse is in their cycle. You also can inadvertently induce pseudopregnancy in the mouse due to these vaginal um, smears. I did recently hear that some people are mastering the technique of being able to determine estracycle only from external visual inspection, but our lab has never felt as comfortable with that technique to rely on it. 
Um, and even more recently, I learned that there are some genes in the uterus that you can probe for um, after uh, or post-mortem, and that can also help you assess estrus status. That's very interesting. Uh, we know starting in January, AJP HeartCirc will be requiring studies to consider sex as a biological variable. Your study shows that accounting for hormonal fluctuation during in vivo measurements of vascular function will likely improve the quality of the results. How do you see or suggest investigators taking this into account in the future with studies in the field? Yes, it's a great question. My suggestion really depends on the goals of the study. It may be accurate to just assess the estrous cycle stage by cytology and perhaps use this as a covariate if needed. However, if the study is examining sex differences, then it's likely important to test all the young females during the same stage of the estrous cycle, especially if you're doing in vivo vascular outcomes. But I want to say that we cannot necessarily generalize the results of this study. For example, we only tested aortic pulse wave velocity, and we don't know if other in vivo vascular outcomes will be affected by the estrus cycle. It's also important to note that our mice were on a soy protein-free diet. So in our vivarium, as I think is true for many universities, the standard rodent chow actually contains soy protein. And we know that soy protein is a phytoestrogen that can mimic the effects of estradiol. Um, so we don't know if we had had the mice on this phytoestrogen-containing diet, what the impact would have been on the estrus cycle and those effects on the pulse wave velocity. So I think our study really highlights the need for others to examine the effects of the estrus cycle and their particular rodent model on their research diet and using their specific vascular outcomes. That's really interesting, Ashley. So have you always used that soy protein-free diet, or can you go back and maybe compare some of your previous studies with this one to see if there is a difference with using that diet? That's an interesting question. Uh, we haven't actually always used that diet, and we actually have a preliminary data from a study that McKenzie did where we over-optimized mice uh, when we were first getting into sex differences and didn't realize we needed to use the soy protein-free diet. And what we found is actually that having the mice on a diet that has soy protein in it actually decreased some of the effects of the ovarectomy on the vascular outcomes. That study is still in progress, so hopefully soon we will be submitting that for publication. But I definitely think that this um, soy protein in the diet could be affecting these uh, vascular outcomes. And it would be interesting to go back and compare to some of our studies using the diet versus not the diet and just normal young female mice. Very cool. Yeah, I'd love to see those results when you if you're able to go back and look. So I do have to ask, you know, as a researcher that's interested in the aging field, can you speak to how this research looks as the mice get older? You know, do they enter this menopause that resembles humans? And do you think that the differences in vascular function across the estrus cycle would cease at that time point? Yeah, so that's really important to really understand not only the rodent estrus cycle, but what happens with aging, because as you know, women experience menopause around the age of 52 years, but mice and rats do not experience menopause the same way, depending on the strain, and it can be extremely variable depending on what strain you're looking at. They first start to experience some irregular and extended estrus cycles, um, along with a reduced fertility around 10 to 12 months of age. But after that, and that's sort of, you know, around the same time, if you convert rodent to human years, around when humans also start to go through hormonal changes. 
Um, but unlike humans, most rodents then enter a phase that, the, that we call persistent estrus or persistent vaginal cornification. Um, and this lasts for a few months. And at this point, you know, the estradiol levels in the mouse are consistently high. So they don't cycle and they're still within a normal range as you would find in a younger rodent. Um, and after this, some also go through another stage called persistent diestrus. But even in this stage, the estrogen levels are still much higher than what you would find in a postmenopausal person. Okay, so Sarah, to follow that up, to mimic the human phenotype better, would we then, should we just overectomize later in life for these rodents? Yes, that's the approach that we're taking in one of my current projects is that we're allowing the mice to get to this 10 to 12 months of age. And then we're overectomizing at that point to recapitulate human menopause. Ah, gotcha. Okay, uh, so Ashley, what are some of the future directions this project is going in? So the long-term goals of my lab are to understand the causes and consequences of vascular aging. So this study was really just a crucial step for us to know how to best design those studies. Um, we're really interested in understanding how age-related changes to the vasculature affect the brain. So we know that women are two times more likely to develop Alzheimer's disease than men, um, but we're just beginning to understand how sex differences in aging and vascular function could contribute to this higher risk. And I will note uh, on that, that there is a call for papers that just opened, the impact of aging on the cardiovascular system that Ashley is one of the guest editors for. That closes June 1st, 2023. Uh, the other guest editors for this are Dr. Edward Lau and Dr. Ann Chow. I just wanna take this time to thank Sarah, McKenzie and Ashley for taking the time to talk about this awesome article. And back to you, Kara. Thanks for listening to this episode of the AJP Heart and Cirque podcast. Our theme music was written and performed by Ray Mitchell. Catch the latest episodes of our podcast at physiology.org slash journal slash AJP Heart.